Let's take our Bibles this morning to open up to the book of Matthew. I know I said we were going to be back in Romans. I intended to be, but something else captivated my attention for a bit. So uh, we're going to detour at least one more week. Matthew chapter 27. Uh, We're going to begin there, sort of go away from it and then come back. Matthew chapter 27. Let's all stand together and I will read the passage. Matthew 27, I'll pick up in verse 35. And they crucified Him and parted His garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted My garments among them, and upon My vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched Him there and set up over His head His accusation written, This is Jesus the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with Him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled Him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking Him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, Himself He cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Let's pray. Father, what horrible words we've just read. but yet your inspired record of exactly what transpired on that day so that we might understand. I pray you'd help us to learn something from these words. Purify our view of our great God and of our reaction to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I've read some statements and some books outside of the Bible. And I think I've made the comment here before. I'll read some blasphemous comment by somebody and I'll think, boy, it makes you almost want to drop the book. It makes you feel like you need to go wash your hands or wash out your mouth just by quoting what this errant person said. Now, of course, what we've just read is the inspired Word of God, but in a sense, uh, recounting what those people said on that day at Calvary nearly 2,000 years ago kind of causes us to have the same sort of recoil. I mean, I think there's a lot that it shows as a window into the soul of man, but there's two things I want to focus on at least at the beginning. One of the things those words shows is the shocking arrogance and lack of understanding that's part of the wicked human heart. For man to speak those words toward his Creator, 
to dare the one holding their very life in his hands to do something. It's shocking. It's really no different than what people today do when they dare God to intervene and show that He's real. Lord, if You're there, open up the earth and swallow me alive then. No, He didn't do it. God doesn't have to obey the carnal dictates of people that demand He show Himself. Look at the world around you. Look at what He's already shown you. The second thing it shows is that no matter what God does... It's not enough to convince the heart that's already decided it's not going to listen. That's true of a lost person. That's also true of a Christian person. If you already choose the place that you're not going to listen to what God says, no matter what He does, you're probably not going to change your mind because it's not a matter of externals. It's a choice of the will. That's what it comes back to. Now, if you take these people's statements, here's what it really boils down to. If only God would do one more thing. If only God would grant this one request. If only He would show one more sign. If only Jesus would step down. If only He would show that power just once more. If only He would do that. Well, then we would believe. We look at that and think, what more did they need? How many words did they heard? How many miracles that they'd seen? How many years did they have to witness the spotless Son of God living a flawlessly sinless life? But you see, it just wasn't enough. Now, let's turn that around and examine ourselves for a minute. You ever stop and ask yourself the question, what is it that keeps you from doing things that you know you need to do. What is it? We could talk about menial things, home duties, getting your taxes done, um, taking care of chores, duties at work, or maybe a little higher on the important scale, duties as a husband or wife or children or parent or, or whatever else. What is it that keeps us from doing what we know we should do? Many times there's not a good reason. You see, we don't like the cold hard truth. Most of us, when pressed, aren't going to say, well, candidly, I'm too lazy. You know, actually, I'm, I'm really indifferent. I know I should care, but you see, I don't care. And I know I don't care, but I don't care enough to care, so I'm not going to do anything about the fact that I don't care. I'm lukewarm. The ways of the world have drawn my heart away from God. I get more excited about March Madness than I do about the Bible or some other excuse. Or sometimes it comes down to this. You know, I, I'm attempting to give a noble covering to my own idiocy. You see, if I pretend I'm still searching for information to respond wisely, maybe no one will know I'm really denying reality and playing the part of a fool. We're so good at that, aren't we? You know, weeds are going to grow and bills are going to show up and the lawn's not going to mow itself. One cynic has observed the only two certainties in life are death and taxes. Of course, if you know the Word of God, you know there's a lot more certainties in life than that. 
And by the way, you can mark April 15th on your calendar years in advance. That's coming up soon, just in case some of you forgot. The same is true or not true regarding death. None of you has a calendar that says, well, here now is the day I'm going to depart this earth. We don't know when that's going to happen, so they're not in the same category. You know, really, excuse-making is nothing new. It's woven into our fallen DNA. How far do you have to flip into the Word of God to find the first excuse is given? Well, that was the instantaneous reaction to our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they committed that first transgression. One thing that shows is that the tendency to make excuses goes hand in hand with the choice to disobey. They're twin sisters. They go together. So God comes to Adam. He says, what happened? Adam says, well, you know the the woman you gave me. Now, he was blaming Eve, but if you pay attention, he's really indirectly blaming God. It was the woman you gave me. If you'd given me a flawless companion instead of this inferior product, I wouldn't have done it. What about you, Eve? Well, it was a serpent. Of course, God blames both of them and the serpent because all three of them are guilty. I think if you had to confine mankind to one motto throughout history, if you could summarize man's true or man's reaction to the truth of God and boil it down to two words, here's what I think it might come down to. If only. Those two words have formed the beginning of countless millions of sentences with all sorts of flowery and intellectual sounding arguments of why somebody won't just do what God has plainly said. You see, most people aren't brazen enough to say, no, I hate God. I don't believe the Bible. I'm not going to do what He says. I want my way, and I'm going to suffer the consequences of it. Thank you very much. What I sow, I reap. Sounds good. Let me have the reaping. Most people aren't going to do that. They have to have something more noble sounding, more religious, a little more astute than that. And so it comes down to if I just had more time, if I just had more evidence, if I just had more signs, more examples, more compelling reasons, if only God made perfect sense, if only the church was just a little different here or there, If only I felt a little more fuzzy, then I would listen. You know, both history and especially the Word of God Himself through history puts the lie to that kind of thinking. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but if you take a panorama of the Word of God, at some point, somewhere in human history, you find a refuting of almost every single human excuse that could possibly be imagined. The history of mankind has been a history of excuses, but if you take the Bible as a whole, you find God puts the lie to every single one of those excuses that man can come up with. It really brings things back to full circle of what are you going to do with the truth? Suppose... uh, as somebody comes up to you and they say, oh, I'm born with a sin nature, you say. I'm a sinner. I think that's uh, rather unfair. You know, if I could go back to the beginning and just be given a chance, if only I had a perfect environment, 
If only I could hear God speak audibly. If only I could converse with Him as a friend in the cool of that garden. If only I had no indwelling sin nature. Oh, to dwell in flawless innocence. If only I could live in a world with no death, no graveyards, no decay, no criminals, and nothing to fear. If only there were no previous generations whose bones are bleaching underneath my feet that I had to come from. Well, you could ask your first parents, Adam and Eve, how that one went. Someone says, oh, well, I wouldn't have done it. Can I point out the obvious? You think you wouldn't have done it because you have information they didn't. This is why it comes down to this. God didn't give Adam and Eve a fast-forward view, viewpoint of the next 6,000 years of history that was going to happen. They had the prohibition of God which said, don't eat of the tree or you will die. They couldn't even understand what death was. How could they? All they had was His command, which by the way, a lot of times is all you and I have. He's not going to give you all the future. They didn't have the information you and I have. And you would have sinned just like they did. Someone says, well, uh, Adam and Eve, though, they as free moral agents, they had some if-onlys of their own, didn't they? Can't you hear them there? Oh, if only we could have knowledge of both sides of the decision. Experiential knowledge, that is. If only we could feel and know every angle of this thing, we could make a more informed choice, don't you think, Eve? Isn't knowledge a noble pursuit? Isn't it good to be wise like the serpent's offering? Just look at that beautiful morsel there hanging on that tree low enough to just reach out and take. I mean, how do we know eating that fruit isn't the very pathway to greatness? How can we be so narrow-minded as to believe there's only one way in all of this? If only we could just taste the fruit just for a moment. Can we really be certain if we don't try it? If only we tried it. Well, we know what happened. One of the glorious things about the word testimonies used in the Word of God in the Old Testament, part of that is, that word means when the Word of God is referred to as the testimonies of the Lord, it's God telling you where a certain action is going to lead without you having to experience it yourself. God is good enough to say, if you go there, this is what will happen. You see, the sinful heart says, well, how can I be sure? It may be fun to sow wild oats. But oh, the reaping hurts. They found that out. All of us have found that out. So someone else says, well, now I get that we're sinners and that I would have sinned also. But you know, I think the problems in the world and my problems are a little different than that. So someone says, well, if only we could just have a world with no government. You see, government's corrupt. We all know that. If only we could have a world ruled by the individual consciences of men. Or man was free to make his own choices, then surely goodness would prevail. If only we had an ideal climate, no floods, no storms, no global warming. Think of all the finances saved if we didn't have to pay for all of these disasters. 
If only there were no vicious diseases. If only there were no plagues, no influenza, no cancer. If only there were no churches on every street corner sending different messages. If only there were no borders between nations, free trade in the fullest sense, no DMZ, no razor wires on top of fences across the barren deserts keeping people between countries out. And just think if there were no taxes, no IRS, no police, no laws, no restrictions on what I hunt, what I drink, what I smoke, what I inject, or what I steal. Oh, and if only man were nice to the animals... If only all men were vegetarian. Just think how joyfully man would dwell with beasts. Poor creatures, I hate to see them suffer. And if only I could live a long time. Life's just so short. It just goes so quickly. Just a few years of retirement if I get that. If only I had more years to save. More years to gain experience and wisdom. If only I could see the fruits of my decisions. You tell me what's going to happen in the future if I go this way. But if I could see three, four, and five, and six generations down the road of what it produced, I would surely be wise then. The world would be a better place if I could counsel my great, 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 great grandchildren. If only. You know, you could catch Noah as he's stepping on board that ark. Because the world I just described is the world that was of Noah's day. And you could ask Noah and say, "Uh, Mr. Noah, uh, what did that produce in the earth? Surely that produced a utopia. You see, man lived 900 years plus in a virtual terrarium. No harsh climate, no disease. Ruled entirely by conscience, men free to do what they would. Noah would say, let me tell you something. This whole world's a savage place. And it's filled with violence. And it's corrupt. And you know, a gracious God called out to mankind who thought He was so wise. And He gave him a hundred years to repent. Plus, but you know, when that ark was built and that door was opened... And the day of reckoning came. Out of all those millions, only eight got on board. And the rest perished. Well, here comes another friend with his if-onlys. He says, well, I have no problem acknowledging conscience isn't going to help, but uh, you know, if only we could all just speak the same language. If only we could just start over with a blank slate on the earth. If only we could all come together as one nation earth. Oh, to be unified. And is all this talk about the past really necessary? A flood and such? I mean, did that really happen? The geology seems to indicate otherwise. That what if we could talk to an eyewitness, they would have said. What if we could see irrefutable evidence? Well, you know, when judgment came at the Tower of Babel, what was it that this unified, one-language world was trying to accomplish? Voting God out of existence. The next scene of man's thinking, not long after the flood in Genesis 11, was them trying to build a tower to heaven to make a name for themselves. They were humanists before the term was ever coined in modern culture. They were building a tower essentially to make man some sort of deity. And evidence, you ask, keep in mind the Tower of Babel happened only 100 years after the flood. 
Those people could have gone up to Mount Ararat and still seen the ark sitting there. Noah was still alive. I think there's a reason they journeyed from the east. They decided they didn't like what they kept hearing from that living ancestor, great grandpa Noah. All this talk about God of judgment and so old-fashioned and so irrelevant in the modern culture. They just had to get away, make a new start. That also ended in God's judgment. Someone else says, well, language divisions I get, uh, I suppose we don't all need to be one world, but it's this idea of rules I don't like. I'm so weary of all the rules. If only we could get away from written guidelines, from the sort of Ten Commandments mindset. Do they have to be on all the public landmarks? Do we really need a written Bible? Does God have to speak through a book? Frankly, I think we'd be better without Can't God just overlook some things? Does marriage have to be so strict of an institution? Isn't there some leeway in interpretation? If only there was some wiggle room, if only there was some situational ethics that could come into play. Well, you know, in the time of the patriarchs, there were a good many things God did overlook. In the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there were no Ten Commandments yet. There was no written Bible yet. There were a lot of things God passed over. But can you imagine the pain of living in a family where two sisters are married to the same husband? With two slave wives thrown in for the purpose of bearing children just for fun? That was Jacob's home. And uh, by the way, Jacob's home wasn't unique in that day. It was normal. And I would wager that anybody in that age who had business relationships with Jacob or his uncle Laban would have really liked to see things like thou shalt not lie and thou shalt not steal written down in permanent ink. Those men could be real scoundrels. You see, there wasn't a clear-cut written standard given yet. Man's conscience was blurry, but sin didn't have a plain definition. That too ended in failure, in slavery in Egypt. Here comes another fellow with his if-onlys. He says, oh, guidelines are needed for sure. I get that, but... Uh, If only we could hear the voice of God from heaven audibly. If only we could see His signs and wonders. If only we could do mighty deeds like walk through the Red Sea dry shot. If only we could be given clear guidelines etched in stone by the very hand of God. If only we could be promised health, wealth, and prosperity for obedience like you find in Leviticus 26. If we could be promised victory over enemies, great and small, we would certainly obey. I mean, if we had the commands of God expressed to all of us and promises of blessing for obedience and curses for disobedience, I'd certainly obey. Just say the word. Health, wealth, and prosperity as pushed today is a total heresy. But there was an age in which that was the case with Israel and the land. God spoke to them audibly from Sinai. God brought them through the Red Sea. They saw all of His devastation on Egypt. God promised him, if you will obey, I will fill your barns. I will make your fields fruitful. You will bear children. There will be no disease. Your clothes won't wear out. Five of you are going to chase hundreds of enemies and a hundred of you are going to put 10,000 enemies to flight. If you just do what I say, I will bless you among all people in the earth. Someone says, oh, if... I just had that. I'd listen. Did it work for them? No, it didn't. 
The land spewed them out just like God said He would. They stiffened their neck and refused to obey because the externals were not enough to deal with the wicked heart problem. So all the external promises of the health, wealth, and prosperity also did not bring about a supernatural change within. How did the law end? With the Babylonian captivity, with them being carried off as slaves for worshiping idols. The land left desolate. Even that ended in total failure. Someone says, well, Moses promised a prophet like him would come one day. You know, what if God came and inhabited a human body? Oh, if only I could observe the very life and presence of God in person. If only a greater one than Moses and the prophets would come. If only God Himself would inhabit humanity. If only I could just touch the hem of His garment to see in person what He's like. If only I could know that God actually understands my weak frame. If only I could see Him in plain clothes rather than thundering from Sinai. If only I could hear His words. If only I could see Him do miracles and I'd certainly believe. If only He'd come down and raise the dead and heal the leper and cast out the demons and restore the crippled to health. And I would follow if only He would do that. Jesus was crucified by the same multitudes that cried Hosanna at His triumphal entry. And the very people that saw all the things that I just mentioned. The end of that was the Son of God nailed to the cross. Someone says, if only God would demonstrate His love towards me. Oh, if only I knew He cared. If only His grace could be shown unmistakably. If only I could have my sins taken away and have clear promises of eternal life. All of this has happened. Here it is. Right here. And yet, why is it most still refuse to listen? Most still run to false systems that cannot save them. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. They can't take sin away. Because they're not God's message. How about us living now? Someone says, oh, I'm so weak and the demands on me are so lofty. If only there was a supernatural power that could inhabit me for good. If only God Himself would dwell within, then I would conquer and obey and never falter. If only I had the complete Word of God written down. You know, voices and signs are apt to be misunderstood, but I need the whole revelation written in a book. And if only that book was readily available... Why, if I had that Bible in written form that I could afford and that I could hold in my lap, I'd meditate on it, I'd devour it, I'd memorize it, I'd believe it, I'd never struggle again. You know, someone in the age of the patriarchs could look forward to our day and say the same thing about you and I. They didn't have the whole Bible. You and I do. If only, if only, if only I could be told the way of salvation in plain terms. If only He would clearly outline the purpose of my existence, my priorities, the truth about my sin nature and how to overcome it, the reaction to the world, to the truth of God and to the Christian. If only I could be given principles about how to recognize evil and what to do about it. 
If only He would tell me about things yet to come, the heavenly city, the future of Israel, of mankind. If only I could have His promises in writing, then I would never doubt. If only I could see examples of transformed lives dwelling all around me. Former haters of God and blasphemers and atheists and drunkards turned into saints by the power of God. If only I could see that, I would believe and follow. How about it? That's where we are in history. Right there. Why is it that we look around us and we see confusion in society? Look at the crime. Look at the hatred. Look at the rejection of what God has written. Look at the refusal of so many of God's people to follow what He says. Here comes another man. He's looking towards the age that hasn't yet happened. And he says, well, my struggles are of a different sort. I'm just not sure I believe this business of Jesus coming back. And he says, if, if the world's been here so long, God hasn't shown up. You know, if only I could see His wrath and power in ways that are unmistakable. Ways that can't be explained by so-called science. Things that I can't replicate in a test tube or explain out of a, out of a book. If only the heavens were to roll back like a scroll, that might do it. If only the stars could rain down. If only the moon could be turned the color of blood. If only the sun could be blackened out. If only a worldwide earthquake would level the mountains and move every island out of its place. If I could plainly see the end was near. If only in that day I could have the ability to reason and time to decide. If only that would happen, I would believe I would repent. There'd be no delay then, no hiding, no playing dumb, no gambling with my eternity if only God would do that. What do you see in Revelation 6? All those things happen. And here you have the kings of the earth and the mighty men and the rich man and every poor man and every bondman and every free man. And they're crying out to the dens and the rocks and the mountains and saying, fall on us. And hide us from the face of God and from the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? You see, they know whose wrath it is. They've known this was coming. They know they can't explain it scientifically. They know the end is near. They know there's one way of salvation. They have time to think and reason. But what are they doing? They're still hiding from God. One more man comes with his if-onlys. He says, if only I could see Israel actually restored. If I could see Israel regathered in the land of Palestine in totality. And all these promises about Jerusalem and a returning king, if only I could see them happen. If only I could see Jesus face to face in His glory. If only government corruption could end. If only we had a perfect ruler with the ability to pass judgment and see all things right. And who actually cared for people, not merely power. If only there were no bribery, no respective persons, no scandals, no frivolous lawsuits, no hung juries. And you know, while we're at it, if only this one called Satan, if only he could be bound up for a while, maybe a thousand years would do it, you could put him in a pit or something with chains. You know, I know if that were to happen, I'd take responsibility for my own actions. I mean, who else could I blame? And for that matter, what about the hundreds of competing religions? 
You know, if only we could consolidate all of earth down to one way of truth and everything else put away. Plainly. I couldn't miss it then. If only I could come and speak with God Himself. If only He'd occupy a palace right here on earth in Jerusalem. And if only the climate could improve again. No droughts or the desert blossoming like a rose. And oh, those wild beasts. If only they could go back to vegetarianism. If only the lion could lay down with the lamb. If only uh, the, the poisonous serpents could play with a little child and it would be fun and games and nobody would get hurt or die out of those things. You know, I suppose if all that came to pass, I would believe. I just know I would. What excuse would I have? I've just described the millennial kingdom of Christ. After a thousand years of the devil bound, what do people do? Within days, millions who came out of that very environment gather around the holy city to try to overthrow it. And God has to drop fire from heaven and devour them all. You see, because all those things outside were only a cloak. They were only a cover-up. They were like those people in Matthew 7 saying, if only He'd come down from the cross. That's what mankind always does. If only there's one more thing. If only there's one more time. If only there's one more truth. The millennial kingdom puts the lie to all the if-onlys that sinners can come up with. Thousands of years with every circumstance imaginable have proven mankind is lying. You know, God knows your if-onlys a lot better than you. And guess what? He's not persuaded. Just like those in Matthew 27. It was there the, the pinnacle moment of human history. And there comes if only again. We've seen it. We've heard it. We know our conscience is screaming out. But if only one more time. If only He'd come down. If only He'd do one more miracle. Why then we'd listen. But if He'd come down from the cross, they along with you and I would have been doomed. You see, God ignores many of our if-onlys because He is good. Not because He doesn't care. Not because He doesn't know. But He wants to give us time and space to repent. Do you realize most of the things you said if God would only do this would totally destroy you? And you and I are too ignorant to know that. And many times God seems to remain so silent in not giving that. But he's not indifferent. He's good. And he's very, very active in each of our existences. You know, after Jesus didn't come down from the cross, then it was, if only he'd just come out of that grave. Boy, if only he'd really rise from the dead. Did that do it? They bribed the soldiers. They lied to cover it up. If only didn't do it. Let's say you're sitting here, you say, I'm a Christian. I, I belong to Jesus. How many if-onlys are you hiding behind? If only God would do this or that, then I'd serve Him more. No, you wouldn't. If only I understood a little more. If only I had more time to think. If only my finances were more in order. If only I had this or that, this possession, this job. 
If only the church was this or that, one way or the other. If only I had this project finished. If I wasn't so busy. If only, if only, if only. You realize how many of God's blessings we keep out of our own home and life, hiding behind those two words? No need to do so. You know, if only is not only a word of an excuse, it's also an expression of regret. Can you imagine as a Christian standing before Christ in eternity at that judgment seat and thinking, if only I had served Him more while I had time? If only I believed what He said about the transitional and transitory nature of things and experiences and about storing up treasures in heaven instead of earth. If only I knew when my earthly life would end. If only I hadn't lived for wood, hay, and stubble. If only. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I can't say I know I have a relationship with God through Christ. I don't know. What about your if-onlys? What else could he do? Man has lived in perfection and corruption, with a sin nature and without, with government and without, with an ideal climate, a changing climate, and a harsh climate, with God speaking audibly, with part of the Bible written, and a whole Bible written and sitting in your lap, with promises of health, wealth, and prosperity, with miracles being performed, then with promises of difficulty in the age of signs and wonders past, with Israel banished from the land, and Israel now partially restored to the land, and even with God becoming man to be born in a stable, to be brutally executed and suffer all of His own wrath on the cross to show His love and to pay the penalty for your sin. What else can He do? I mean, eventually people are going to live a thousand years with the devil chained and Israel restored and Christ reigning in Jerusalem on a throne where he can be physically seen. And millions will still go to hell saying, if only. If only. Can you hear the regrets of some in torments just now? If only I'd listened. If only I'd known life would end on that trip. If only I could hear the Bible again. If only I could sit there in that church service one more time. If only I had it to do over. But they don't. If only you would take God at His Word now. If only you would believe in Christ. If only you would humble yourself and stop making excuses. Remember in Luke 16, the story of a rich man and Lazarus. And a rich man's crying out in torments. And he's saying, can't you just send... Someone back to warn my father and my brothers. He's saying, if only someone came back from the grave and warned them, if only that would happen, they would listen. And he says, no. They have the written Word of God. And if they won't listen to that, then none of the if-onlys you can come up with are going to change their heart because they've already decided no. They've already decided no. You know, if only can also be an expression of hope and honest searching, can't it? Someone says, if only I could have a new beginning. If only I could find rest for the soul of mine. If only I could find freedom from my guilty conscience. If only Jesus would take a sinner like me. If only He'd change my wicked soul. 
You know what else if only is? It's a promise. If only you will believe in Christ, you will be saved. But you know, for all of us, today can be a day where excuses stop. Today can be a day where you decide to turn in, if only, for I will. Wherever that needs to happen. Friends, listen, it's never going to be convenient to choose to serve the Lord. You will never run out of if-onlys if you choose to hide behind them. You never will on this earth. God knows. Let's take Him at His word and not follow the rest of humanity into excuses. Life is short. Let's make the most of it by God's definition. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the examples given in Your word of of things to emulate and things to avoid. Lord, the history of human nature has not been a pretty one. And we certainly include ourselves in that. Any good thing shown in us, you have done it. Any good qualities we have, we didn't produce. But we thank you, God, you are so tender and patient and willing. All of us can say just now, even probably this week, there's things we should have taken care of, we should have done. We didn't. We said, if only. And yet here we are still breathing. You've been very patient. Help us, Lord, to deal with you truly. Show us the difference between honest examining and making excuses. In Jesus' name, amen.